We have Jim Heinz on the phone with us from uh, Moscow. He's an AP correspondent. And uh, Jim, you're out there covering this story in um, a faraway land. But right now, I think COVID-19 makes us all feel a little a little weirdly closer together, maybe maybe a little too close. Uh, what, what's it like for you right now living in Moscow with this pandemic? Well, um, to begin with, I'm not actually out there covering the story. I am out there sitting in my apartment trying to follow the developments from afar, either by telephone or um, by various sorts of Internet news resources. Moscow is on a um, sort of semi-lockdown, and one of the elements of that is that it's ordered people who are 65 and older to totally stay at home um, except for essential shopping such as food and going to the pharmacy. Um, That age restriction affects me and it affects one of our other staffers. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, the AP has encouraged all of its staffers everywhere to work from home uh, whenever possible. So for text, it's not that much of a burden because we can do a lot of reporting, as I say, from the Internet or over the phone. It's uh, far more of a burden for our visuals people for uh, photos and for our video division. Well, I saw your story from not very long ago about the the women who left the hospital. Tell us a little bit about how that story came about and how you covered it. Um, How it came about was largely by um, remote control, at least for the first iteration. We saw the information from uh, um, various Internet news resources in um, St. Petersburg, where one of the incidents occurred, and in the provincial city, which I forget which one was where the more dramatic one, the more dramatic incident took place where the woman actually crawled out through the hospital window. We eventually, sort of in the second cycle of the story, were able to contact both of the women either by um, Skype or by social messaging, so we were able to get um, actual first-hand information from them. But like I say, that was in the second cycle of the story. So it was, say, 12 to 18 hours by Russian media. Last night on uh, PBS NewsHour, I believe it was, I saw a report about Russia and uh, the churches there not wanting to close down. Is that a, a story that's being covered widely in, uh, in local media? And is that something that is of grave concern? Or do people seem very worried about that? People don't seem particularly worried about that. The emotional phenomenon that's going on here right now is that Russia has been somewhat behind the wave globally in terms of coronavirus infections. The um, number of infections only countrywide is only reported at about 800, I believe the figure was this morning, and two confirmed deaths. What it means on the street is that People, although they're concerned, are not in the really high anxiety state that uh, many Western countries in the United States are in. At least in Moscow, there's been no indication of um, of panic buying. And although the streets, sidewalks are quieter than I'm used to, the city is still to some extent 
proceeding with its normal life. That's going to change next week because the mayor has ordered that uh, beginning Monday. Well, I'm I'm sorry, not the not the mayor. This was an order from Putin yesterday from President Vladimir Putin that um, next week is going to be a holiday week. Everybody except um, essential personnel and all people are being asked to stay home and only go out if they're necessary. So that that's going to put a considerable muffler on the city. Uh, speaking of uh, Putin, uh, we know in this in the U.S. Uh, this story has obviously got a, a very uh, political dimension as well as economic dimension. You know, in addition to all the medical dimensions. My impression from the PBS NewsHour piece was, you know, that that's probably not too different in uh, in Russia. But maybe maybe you could uh, say a little bit about your perspective on on how President Putin is is uh, managing this situation. Putin has been managing it um, with sort of a combination of uh, reserve and being proactive. One of the phenomena here is that unlike the United States. Unlike the U.S. president, uh, the Russian president historically does not make daily statements or anything like that. Yesterday's address that Putin gave to the nation, which was um, broadcast on TV, was something of an unusual phenomenon. And it underlined the extent to which Russia genuinely regards the problem as serious. It was interesting to watch that yesterday because, at least to my eyes, Putin was sitting in sort of an unusual, like forced casual posture where he was uh, where he was leaning back in his chair and he had his hands up on the desk, sort of drumming the fingers of one hand on the desk. So it was not the sort of sitting erect, staring straight at the camera presentation that you usually see from him. So my guess is that the posture was a little bit deliberate where he wanted to communicate the idea that, uh, yes, this is serious, but no, don't freak out about it. and Don't start going out and grabbing everything from the shelves that you can. Have there been the same kinds of uh, concerns about hospitals not having adequate um you know, protective, personal protective equipment and ventilators and, and so forth, as we've seen in, in the U.S. and in other countries? Uh, the ventilators is interesting. The um, One of the few independent sources of news that you can get here did some number crunching on it and came up with the interesting conclusion that on a per capita basis, Russia has an unusually large proportion of ventilators. There's a question as to whether it has adequate personnel to operate them. There is concern about protective equipment, not only for, not so much for medical personnel, but for the people on the street. Um, although it's impossible to find an adequate mask anywhere. Um, those all got bought up relatively early in the process, it seems, and there's a push on to start manufacturing more masks domestically. Well, that parallels uh, the U.S. situation, certainly. Uh, I don't think you could find a mask on any website or um, you know, on any store shelf right now. 
how do you think the uh, Russian media are covering it? I mean, is this the only story that anybody's talking about and pretty much the same as it is here in the U.S.? No, that's that's certainly not the case. The, uh, um, the media are giving it adequate coverage. Uh, there hasn't been much footage from overseas in terms of... Um, in terms of the panic, um, in terms of empty shelves and so on, and there's speculation that that this has been due to unstated direction from the authorities that, uh, you know, hey, we don't want to be giving our people any ideas. The uh, coronavirus is not the, is not the exclusive story, either the Russian end of it or the global end of it. Next week, when the country goes into an effective shutdown, it'll be interesting to see how the media do it, because with officialdom and businesses and all of that not working, it will be more of a, uh, A, it'll be more of a dramatic situation than we've seen. And also, there's going to be less other news to report. So they may give the virus more attention just because they have space to fill is it your perception that Russian journalists are, are adhering to the same kind of restrictions that, that you're adhering to as far as the AP's directions to stay put? In terms of video and photos, the Russian journalists are trying to be as assertive within the limits of caution in terms of text coverage of official meetings and events. To a large extent, for all the media here, Staying away has been forced on them rather than a decision that events such as the weekly foreign ministry briefing are being conducted by a teleconference now rather than in a conference room. There's less, um, there's less reason to actually go out and mix it up. Is the story being covered at all there in such a way that you know there, there's a, uh, an effort to find a culprit, you know, whether it be China or whether it be the U.S. or any, you know, anyone else? Is there any effort to kind of see it through a geopolitical lens? I haven't seen coverage that finds a specific culprit. I have seen coverage particularly from uh, Sputnik News, which is the sort of the text equivalent of the RT television channel, which has tended to go off on some pretty wild speculation. For instance, there was a story from one of their correspondents in Latvia based on the thesis of, uh, who says the virus didn't come from Latvia? You know, it's possible that it did. This kind of thing um, stirs up political agenda concerns. It's not surprising, I I think, that we would see in this vacuum of, of actual facts and knowledge that uh, it could easily be exploited and it, and it is easily exploitable by people who are prone, you know, in that direction. It is. And of course, uh, social media work here the same way they do everywhere else, where it's just loaded with unproven theories and, you know, all sorts of tendentious things. I haven't seen, at least in the TV shows that I've watched, a particular identifiable political agenda. You have been in Moscow now for a big part of your career. So I can't help but wonder what you see your your trajectory to be, you know, as you're sitting here in the middle of this pandemic. My uh, trajectory is pretty clear right now because uh, as of tomorrow, Russia is 
banning all international flights. So whatever my trajectory is, it's not going to be outside the borders of Russia. Like the other tech staffers, I'm just going to try to do the best I can with information that we glean either from, uh, from government statements, from what little we're able to see on the streets, and, you know, just make, make the best of it that we can and provide some kind of an adequate picture. But we are under limitations, so we're not really able to go out and report in the same way that reporters are generally expected to do of going on the scene. How did the your experience at the School of Journalism back, you know, back when you were a student, how did that put you on a path that would land you in Moscow covering, you know, a, a pandemic in 2020? As far as the School of Journalism goes, one of the things that had attracted me to the School of Journalism in the first place was the foreign internship program. I had already had I had long had it in the back of my mind that working abroad would be um, a really interesting and attractive thing to do. And OU, with its internship program, certainly provided entree to that. So most specifically, that's how the journalism school ended up landing me here. I did not learn Russian at Ohio University. I actually took up studying Russia when I was in Columbus for the AP at Ohio State University, which had a good independent study program for Russian, and I took up the language just as a way of giving me something to entertain myself on the sidelines while I was working in Columbus, which perhaps I should say this off the record, um, in the early 1980s was not all that interesting place. I had a lot of free time. So it was your goal to be in Russia specifically? Not necessarily. I, I wanted to go somewhere overseas. Russia was up on the list, but it was not my only goal. In fact, my first my first foreign assignment turned out to be Sweden. Well, that's closer to Russia than uh, than Columbus, Ohio, certainly. Yeah, and uh, you know, as I pointed out to people, it sort of gave me um, a background, given that Sweden once had a pretty strong imperial presence in Russia. When you think about your career in Russia, you've seen a wide variety of events, um, and now here we are sort of locked down in your apartment covering this global pandemic from the from the Russian standpoint. It must be interesting to think about, you know, how this happened to Jim Heights. I do sometimes wake up thinking, you know, man, how did I ever get here? But at the same time, I think that's probably something that everybody considers in middle age or late middle age. Um, you look back on the long, all the, all the strange branches and twigs that you followed, it always seems a bit strange. I don't think there are all that many people in, in the world who come up with a plan very early on and follow it rigidly. It's, it's more a matter of making yourself available to experience, having a certain amount of native intelligence to seize a good opportunity opportunity when it comes along. Otherwise, you know, you're just on the, it, it's, a, it's sort of like being an amusement, on an amusement park ride. Once you, uh, um, once you strap yourself into the car, you just try to enjoy the ride. Well, it's, it's a ride that's turned a little strange here, but I, I hope that it's, uh, it ends in a, in a good way. And uh, we really appreciate your coverage and we appreciate you taking some time to share your experience with the listeners of this podcast. So thank you very much, Jim. Sure thing. It's a, it's a ride that has um, 
that's turned out strange for pretty much everybody. I think right now, since Russia is at the back end of the wave of infections and so on, it probably feels less strange here than it does in New York, where the streets are kind of ghostly, or in places like Seattle, where the expectation that life is going to turn out well is substantially higher than it is in Russia. One often talks about Russians sense of Slavic fatalism, which it's kind of a hard thing for Westerners to adapt to. But I think in terms of the virus pandemic, it has in a way worked out very well for Russia because Russians are more culturally used to saying, well, whatever happens will happen than Westerners are who believe that they have a little bit more control over their lives. Well, it'll be interesting to compare these two experiences uh, because there, there are a lot of parallels, but as you say, there are some differences in, in basic outlook as well. Indeed. So, yeah, thanks for the time to talk, and uh, we, will, we, will, we will try to report as accurately and thoroughly as we can. Well, we appreciate your service, and we'll, uh, I'll send a link to on this podcast to uh, the story about the, the women escaping from the the bonds of the hospital. All right, thank you, Jim Heights from Russia, from Moscow. And we'll be following along your coverage. Thank you so much.